Jesus is the center of the gospel. And I truly believe that everyone in here probably believes that. We also believe in the divinity of Jesus, that he was both man and God at the same time. For 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh. However, there is another side to the Son of God that I think we don't discuss, and that is the human side. The part of Jesus that was completely vulnerable, the part that was made that made him allowed him to fully experience this life. And I've been in prayer many times, and I've whispered these words, God, you just don't understand. You just don't know what it feels like. God, you don't know what rejection feels like. You don't know what pain feels like. You don't know. You're in heaven. You're in the place of bliss. No problems, nothing going on. However, while Jesus was on this earth, there was a Hellenistic movement, and even after his death, that believed that it was essentially impossible for God to inhabit a fleshly body. The Jews still believed that. For the flesh was purely evil, and it just couldn't happen that God could dwell in that. So John write, writes to them saying, Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God, then that spirit is of the Antichrist. So perhaps it's when you and I look at God in our moments of weakness and say, God, you don't understand. You don't get it. Are we just like those who claim that, God's, that Jesus wasn't even God? Are we just as guilty as that Hellenistic generation that says it's impossible. See, if our prayers are littered with these thoughts and ideas, we are no better than those religious people of that time. And so as I began to prepare this morning, I felt the need to tell somebody that you don't, that you don't understand mentality is actually far from the truth. And let me say it this morning, and very clear this morning, that you are a human. I don't care what your spouse says. I don't care what your boss says. I don't care what your friend says. I don't care what people in the church say. You are human. You have real emotions, real feelings, real thoughts. You have really bad days. You have good days. You have moments of weaknesses. You have struggles. You have moments of despair. You are a person. But that does not make you a bad person. It does not make you a hypocrite. And it does not make you a loser. It is simply a reminder that you are not God. See, Jesus was normal in a sense. He thirsted, and like some of you this morning, he hungered, he grew tired, he experienced those normal things that we, you and I go through in this life. So this morning in Mark 14, verse 32, we see a glimpse of Jesus' humanity. He's, it says, and they went a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took them with him, Peter, James, and John, and began be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground, prayed that if it were possible, hour might come that pass him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, Are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he prayed the same words, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and he did not know what to answer to them. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the, son of, into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let's look at how 
the writer Mark wrote this. He said in verse 36, or he said, in, yeah, verse 36, 33, he said, and he began to become greatly distressed and troubled. The English, or the King James Version says that he was sorrowful unto death. Jesus was the one who had healed many men. Jesus was the one who had raised the dead. Jesus was the ideal figure. He had experienced this whole thing, the gospel, the power. The he was going to experience the resurrection. Jesus was the one who calmed those boisterous seas. Yet Jesus in his humanity was experiencing the real world. Jesus knew what was to come. He knew that he would be resurrected by the Father. But in his moment of humanity, he now had to find who he truly was. While being taken, Jesus was beaten. One commentary said that Jesus was beaten so bad that his ribs could be seen from his back. His blood and flesh on display for the world. His humanity once again on display. He was allowing himself to be naked. One gospel, Matthew's gospel, said that Jesus was literally stripped naked. He was humiliated in front of everyone. He was spit on, lied on, cursed on. When we take another glance at Jesus, we find him on the cross. And there was no show there. There was no rehearsal. There were no auditions to see how well Jesus could do. This Hellenistic culture actually believed that Jesus was faking it all. They believed he was just trying to play the human part. And Jesus even knows what it's like to thirst. To the two words on the cross, he said, I thirst. Everything was on full display. Some of us might say, Jesus doesn't know what it's like to bear my sin. Well, you're wrong because 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, should, have li should live unto righteousness. Not only did God bear your sins, but he bore everyone else's. So for you and I to make the claim that Jesus doesn't know what we've gone through in this life is simply a misguided attempt to undermine who Jesus was and who he is. He had a human nature. But you might say, well, he still knew that he would be resurrected after his death. And that's true. But we also know that. We also know that we'll be resurrected after this life, after we get in the grave, that one day his trumpet's going to sound. But yet, we still find ourselves in those moments of weakness. Our humanity cries out in our times of need. It's because we as people will always struggle with eternity. I don't care who you are. We will always struggle with. Until you are, I, I believe, till you are there and you're moments away from entering into eternity, we will always struggle with it. My mind cannot comprehend eternity. People don't, people don't wake up thinking about death. They don't. People even who attempt to take their own life, they're not thinking about death. They're thinking about temporary. They're merely thinking about what's going on now, never focusing on what happens later. And see, some of you this morning, you might be saying, yeah, but he was also God, and his divine nature should have made up for all that flesh stuff. Yeah, true, but... You and I have Jesus on the inside, and those moments of weaknesses still seem to overcome us. So you might ask me, you might be asking yourself, what's the point of everything that he's saying this morning? And it's pretty simple. I've simply come to tell someone that Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows exactly where you're at. 
Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. See, that word infirmities actually comes from a Greek word, anesthesia, and it means our want for strength. I don't know anyone in here who wants to be weak. I don't. Taking out all those double negatives, you actually read the scripture. It says, for we do have a high priest who can be touched by our desire for strength. See, Jesus became a human so that when you and I feel weak and we turn to him in despair, he can say, yeah, I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to hurt. Jesus experienced, knew his best friend to die. And we've all experienced that. Jesus knew exactly what it was like when we went through our troubles and trials. And there's never a time that we should ever look at God and point our fingers at God and say, yeah, you don't know because he really does know. And he's watched for thousands of years as his creation, his, his people that he loves and desired, find themselves in hopelessness and despair. He's seen them when you are, he's seen you when you're weak. He's seen us in our darkest moments and yet he continually says, I love you you and I have been guilty at times in my own personal life when I look at God and say God you just don't get it you don't see what's going on in my life you don't see the mess you don't see the chaos you don't see how my life is literally unraveling and I don't look like that because it's easy when you and I walk in here to look at everyone, everyone's got more money, everyone's got more nice things, everyone's got a better family, they got a better marriage, they've got better kids, they've got all this, all these things that are better, and we look at ourselves and never find ourselves looking at the one who knows exactly what we're going through. I began looking at this, this idea of hypocrite because I was, I was praying some weeks ago and I said, God, I just feel like a hypocrite, God. I really do. I said, because I walk in here and I sing and I play and I, I worship and then I go home and life doesn't change. Still in the same mess, still have the same amount of questions. And that's when I, I, I felt God begin to, to try to speak to me. He says, I know, but are you serving me for what I give you or are you serving me for who I am? Because I am blessed. I really am. I get to walk into a place that I get to experience the God of all creation. I experience the one who died on a cross for me. And even if I were to walk out of this room, I still know that I will experience eternity with the one who loves my soul. And so many times we walk in and we continually carry things into this place. And we try to, I, I say it every time, and Brother Jonah McElhaney and I have this discussion all the time. We've created a culture that is not conducive and not an environment that doesn't allow us to be real. Doesn't allow us to, to, to tell someone, hey, you know what? I was struggling this week. Because we've created a place where we walk in and we've got to hold in our emotions and we've got to hold in everything that we are. And when you're walking into the presence of Jesus... And Jesus is walking by. How many people in the Bible didn't get healed? Because they refused to cry out to him. How many of us this morning are holding wounds? How many of us are carrying things that we shouldn't be carrying because we don't want people to see? 
God began to deal with me about a lot of, a lot of things. God's always dealing with me. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. But I, I was, uh, you know, I, I've been doing music, and you get involved in this, and you're, you're, you're you know, I've got to sing. I've got to make sure I'm singing the right part. Sister McLean's not here, but i got to try to at least sing the right part. And, you know, and I've got to, I'm like reading chords, and I'm trying to read lyrics. And, and God dealt with me a few weeks ago, and I and I was sitting at my piano, and I, my prayer time, I sit at my piano, and I just play and just talk to God, sing. And and he was like, why can't you do that when you come into service? I said, well, God, you don't you don't understand, you know. My brain sometimes will get things mixed up, and, and I can't, you know, I can't be focused on all these, you know, chords. And he's like, yeah, but you're missing it. You're missing it in the moment. Because I'm so worried about being so perfect Worried about making sure everything sounds right, making sure I'm, I'm blending with Sister Jules and I'm making sure I'm blending with Sister Debbie and making sure that I hit the chord at the right time and making sure every, every part, and he's like, yeah, but you're missing me. And maybe, yeah, maybe you're not up here doing any of this, but you're sitting in the pew and you're clapping on beat and, and you're saying all the right words, but you're missing him. Because the truth is, is that if we, if every one of you guys were to, if I were to hand you this mic, and I would just say, say one bad thing. Say one bad thing that's going on in your life. Say one thing that you're just struggling with. I'm sure there'd be someone in this room who could relate to you. I'm sure there is. And I, and I talk with hyphen, hyphen kids, and I go to college, and I talk with kids, and they're not ashamed to tell you their life's a mess, and they don't have God. And they're fine with that. And we have God, and we're not okay with our messes. We're okay. We're okay with saying, oh, yeah, I'm fine with our marriage not being, you know, what it needs to be. And I, we're fine with, with struggling with these addictions. We're fine with having pain and hurt so deep that we don't have answers. We're fine with that because we checked the box off on Sunday that says, I went to church. And we shook, you know, 15 people's hands, and they made us feel good. But we walk back into our places and our homes, and we never experience the Jesus who he intended to be. We never experience him for who he was and who he is to us. Because Jesus knows exactly what we go through. That's why Jesus had compassion for the sinners. That's why Jesus knew what it was like to walk with those who, who, were, who lived their lives in full despair. Jesus wanted those people. Jesus didn't care about the religious people. Jesus sat with sinners, and the Pharisees looked at him and said, Oh, yeah, why is he sitting with those people? Shouldn't he be sitting with the elite? Shouldn't he be sitting with the people who are spiritual? And he said, You're full of dead men's bones. Jesus didn't have time for them. Jesus didn't have time for the people who thought they had it all together, and they had every, every T crossed and every I dotted. And I am learning in this life that I don't have any of that. I don't. I've got faults, I've got failures, but what makes me who I am is because I walk into the presence of a God who says, I know that, but I still died for you. I know that about your life, but I'm still giving you the opportunity. But see, we're also the people who have the moments where we can come in and it doesn't matter what's going on. I, I am by nature an emotional person. I will tell you that up front. That is who I am. I will cry at anything, okay? And that's just who I am. I said it, I was crying on the way home last night. 
And I've learned that that's just who I am. And for some of you guys, men, you're going to put on the facade. I'm not going to cry. But the truth is, is that when I begin to think about all the things that have gone on in my life, and I begin to experience the one who loves me, he's a father to the fatherless. He's a helper to those in need. See, I, I read a lot, and, and, that, and that's a lot of my problem. I read a lot, and I know what, what's going on in people's faces. I can see it today. Some of you guys are stone cold, and that's great for, for you because you're choosing to look at me and say, no. Mm -mm. No, you don't know. I'm, I'm perfect, man. I've met people. Yeah, yeah. I've gone to camps, and I've met people who, man, they were religious. They were religious. I've sat in, in moments and some guy said, oh, did you feel the spirit moving? I was like, no, that was the AC turning on. That, it's, just, it's, not, it's not what's going on here, bud. And I found myself being, at times, I'm like, I, I just, I don't get how you can be so religious. But it's because we've learned to close ourselves off. We've got the word. We've got the check box checked. We do everything right except the relationship part of dealing with God. Because our relationship is built not on what we feel, but it's on what we know. There are friends that I, I will not talk to for two weeks. There was a friend I didn't talk to for eight and a half months. Just texted me the other day, said, hey, let's go, let's go grab dinner. We went and had dinner. It was perfect. Like we'd never, like we'd never lost the footing. We were, we we're friends. But it was in the relationship knowing that, hey, we're friends. And then there are some times when, I, when I've got, gotten into places where it's what we understand about each other. There are some friends that I have that they need me sometimes more than I need them. And I've learned in my relationship with God is that I need him. And you need him. Because I wake up and there's some days like, I don't want to do this, God. I don't. I'm going to have to walk into a job. I'm going to have to go to school. I'm going to have to experience all these things. And, I, and, I, and we're good at it. We're really good at it. I'm going to do this. I don't know. Some of you guys may wake up and you're hyped up. You're ready to go. I am not. I, I posted something on Facebook. But Kurt saw it. It, it was... Uh, if you try to talk to me between the first 30 minutes of, of me waking up, you're asking to get punched in the face. That is the truth for me. My mother and I have a rule. We don't talk to each other. If we look at each other, that means we're okay. But if we walk right past each other, it knows it's not time yet. But our relationship is knowing that we love each other, just not the right time. Not the right time to talk to him. And when I come into the presence of God, I'm thinking, God, I need you. But more than just need you, God, I love you. Because, God, if you weren't to answer my prayers today, you would still be God. And you would still give me breath tomorrow. And you still forgive my sins. Yes, I've got a lot going on in my life, God, but you're the center of my life because everything can go away. I can lose my job. I can lose my car. I can lose 
my school, everything. But knowing that God is still God and knowing that in spite of what my life is going through and in spite of what the circumstances, I know the one that I serve is bigger and greater and mightier than anything that I've ever gone through. And that's why I choose to be vulnerable. That's why I choose when I walk into this place and you see tears streaming down my face. I try to try to wipe them off when I'm at the piano, but sometimes they're slipping. My fingers are slipping, but I know it's because I'm encountering a God that is so powerful, so loving, and so merciful that I just can't hold it in. I see people run aisles, and you might look at them and say, they're crazy. Well, maybe they are, but they've encountered a God who loves them. You wonder why we come to church every Sunday morning. You wonder why I show up here at 8.15 in the morning. It's not because I like being here at 8.15 in the morning. It's because I have a relationship with God that says, God, I love you so much that, God, if, I, if you give me one opportunity to step into that presence. And see, the crazy thing is that we experience this, and then we go home. And some and many times, we never learn to take this with us. Some of the greatest services I've had were just me at my piano saying, God, you're good, and your mercy endures forever. God, you're so, you're so awesome. I, I've heard people pray these prayers, and they use all these big fancy words, and all I've got is, God, you're great. You are awesome. It's because I understand that God loves me. And so this morning, I want us to stand for a few moments. And if you want to become vulnerable, and if you want to experience God for the way he truly wants to, you've got to take off the facade. You've got to become real. I'm real this morning. I've got problems. I've got issues. I've got worries. I've got doubts. I've got insecurities. But I walk into this place and say, yeah, but I serve a God who loves and I serve a God who saves. And I serve a God who loves you. Why don't you lift your hands and just begin to talk to God for just a few moments. Jesus, we love you. God, and you are awesome and you are mighty. You are great. You are the everlasting one. You are a father to the fatherless. You are hope. You are our refuge. You are a strong tower, Jesus. And there's nobody greater than you. You said you know not any, none before you, God, none after you. You are my hope. You are my refuge, Jesus. You are the great I am. Lord, I love you today, God, not for what you do for me, God, but, but simply who you are. Because you died on a cross, God, you, were, you had nails put in your hands, God, you were stripped naked, Jesus, you were beaten so that I might experience you, Jesus. God, and you are so awesome to me. Lord, there was none before you, God. And though I'm a wretched man, you are awesome. You are so good, Jesus, and I'm so thankful for your amazing grace. I'm so thankful, God, that you looked down on me this morning and you're giving me the opportunity to experience the God of all creation. You're giving me a moment to experience you and who you are. And I'm so thankful, Jesus, and I love you. I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. 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 You see how the atmosphere is beginning to change because it's no longer about what I'm going through. It's about who he is. Though you slay me, yet will I trust you, Jesus. Though I'm in pain, but I serve a healer. And I love you, Jesus. I love you, God. Oh, God. 